0: I'm Betty Salenik, CEO and founder of Accelerate Investors. Welcome to our podcast, Chief Investment Officer Conversations, which brings to you what is on top of mind for the world's leading CIOs. In our conversations, we will explore their background, their current investment strategies, and their global outlook. Welcome to part one of my interview with Jonathan Grable, Chief Investment Officer of the Los Angeles County Employees Retirement Association, (Lacera), a $70 billion pension fund with 165,000 beneficiaries. In this episode, he shares with us his background and how he became CIO at Lasera. John also describes Lasera's differentiated asset allocation strategy. For instance, did you know private equity and public markets are both bucketed in the growth portfolio? And we also discuss inflation and portfolio diversification. I hope you enjoy. Good morning, John. How are you today? I'm
1: doing great, Betty. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited about our conversation.
0: Me too. Thank you for taking the time. Why don't we begin with you sharing with us who you are and what you do?
1: Great. Uh, Well, I am John Grable. I am the Chief Investment Officer for the Los Angeles County Employees Retirement Association, otherwise known as LACERA. And I've been here just over four years uh, and absolutely love what I do. I'm really fortunate to uh, have this opportunity.
0: Thanks for that overview. Before diving further, I would like to step back for a bit and I would love to hear about your background. Where are you from, your career history, and also what drew you to Lucera?
1: Well, I'm originally from New York. Uh, not, uh, I know nice. that you said that you're in Brooklyn. I'm ari- I am. originally from uh, Westchester County, from New Rochelle, New York. Uh, went to New Rochelle High School uh, and uh, you know went to you know college in the east coast um, after college worked in new york city was a city resident for oh 10 15 years or so i started my career at arthur anderson working in tax and my uh, initial clients were private equity firms and didn't really know that much about private equity and thought huh that's pretty interesting what they're doing and thought that the transactional side was potentially more interesting than the tax side. So went back to business school and then after business school, worked on Wall Street for a while and then joined a private equity firm uh, focused on digital communications, on early and growth stage investments, global focus. Uh, and we digital communications as service application equipment companies that touch the digital network. And I stayed there for about 13 years or so and uh, decided it was uh, to, to, you know, maybe take a branch off of that tree, uh, to do something a little bit different with my career and decided to go down the route of, Of uh, public pensions. And I think it's an absolutely fantastic opportunity for every person that's interested in investments and otherwise.
0: Great. Thank you so much for that. And I'm curious why LaSera in particular? Obviously, it's in LA. I'm sure it has nice weather. Tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Sure. After I left New York, uh, which is about a decade ago at this point, seems like a lifetime ago, I stopped in Maryland. With Montgomery County Public Schools and was the chief investment officer there and that with defined benefit and defined contribution plans is about two and a half billion dollars or so. Went from there to be the chief investment officer for New Mexico Public Employees Retirement Association, New Mexico Para. And that was about 14, 15 billion dollars or so. And you know, phenomenal opportunity, absolutely fantastic team. You know, I, I loved every moment of living in New Mexico, working in New Mexico, looking at those, you know, uh, the, the big sky, the great vistas, fantastic people, phenomenal food, great culture. And after being in New Mexico for, you know, three or so years, was approached with the opportunity here at La Serra and thought it was, you know, first of all, La Serra is a fantastic. Reputation uh, is, is really a has always been a leader in the public pension space. So it was a, a great opportunity for me to move to a plan, a bigger plan that uh, I think is quite innovative. Uh, has had a legacy of innovation on multiple fronts. One of them being on the investment front. First private equity investments go back to you know the the mid late '80s. Lucera is a leader. Uh, on the ESG side, you know uh, early signer of the PRI, uh, always very active in organizations such as the Council for institutional investors, has a innovative as it relates to some of the emerging manager programs that Lucera has and I thought that Lucera had the right scale opportunity to to really capitalize for me to capitalize on that fantastic, legacy, history, tradition, and you know, maybe bring different type of energy to it and, and, uh, and work with the board to, to make Lacerra's best, not its past, but its future. And then you combine that with it was the right time for my family in terms of kind of where my kids were in school to, to really you know, take advantage of all that Los Angeles you know, has to offer. So absolutely, it's been a great family move, a great professional move. And, you know, absolutely love being here.
0: Great. Well, I now want to dive further into Lucera's portfolio. Tell us a bit about Lucera's asset allocation strategy. For instance, private equity and public markets are both in your growth portfolio.
1: Tell us more. OK, great. And uh, as I mentioned, the beginning Lucera is the pension plan for about 165 plus thousand active and retired Employees, beneficiaries in Los Angeles County. Uh, We oversee just over $70 billion on on their behalf in a traditional defined benefit plan. We also have an OPEB trust that we oversee that is a little over $2 billion. We just completed a strategic asset allocation study, and in that, we, and this is something we do every three to five years. Uh, We we, this go around, we did it after three years, given that so much has happened to the markets over the last three years, Uh, not just the markets, but in terms of society over the last three years, that we did the strategic asset allocation after three. And last time we did the strategic asset allocation, we rebucketed the portfolio, we, you know, Back then, we had called eight different asset categories and viewed global uh, U.S. equity, international equity, private equity as separate and distinct. Whereas the correlations are very high and the portfolio goals are very similar, such that we regroup them as growth assets. For example, we also threw in other not threw in that, that's. Uh, uh, maybe a mapping exercise, we grouped with them and we mapped with them other assets with similar growth characteristics into a growth category uh, in what is a more risk-aware, functional, strategic asset allocation framework. So our portfolio right now and what our target is in growth is It's about 53% of the portfolio is the target, and that is very similar to where it actually is today. The 53% includes global equity, private equity, and non-core real estate. Those relative apportionments are shifting, whereas right now our target for global equity is 35%. The actual is above that, considering how well public markets have performed, but our new target is 32% private equity our historical target was 10% the performance of that portfolio has been you know very very strong and the actual allocation is closer to 13% today but the new target 17% and for uh, real estate non core real estate uh, that target is uh, moving up from a target of 3 to 4% but our growth portfolio is the primary driver of long-term returns for the Lucera Fund. And in many aspects, just like other public pension plans, you have to have different asset categories to perform different functions over different time periods. And the role of that growth portfolio really is to harness returns over the long term to pay benefits uh, and, and to, uh, in effect, offset those long-term liabilities that, that the pension has as a result of all the active employees and the new employees that will retire someday. And so that's the main purpose of the growth portfolio, and that we think that that combination of public equity, private equity, and non-core real estate really positions the portfolio to uh, serve that purpose of meeting those long-term benefit payments.
0: Thank you for that overview, and I'm curious, how has this new framework worked out so far?
1: I believe it's working for us, but ultimately, you know, the that that's a longer-term question. But what, what I think that the, the functional framework really achieves for Lucera, you know, for the board, for staff, is a total fund mindset, that we don't want to have diversification in name only, we don't want to be overly diversified, and we want to recognize that we need a portfolio to perform in multiple environments. And those main environments are high growth, low growth, high inflation, and low inflation. And a more simple framework of of that functional framework that has you know four main categories of growth credit real assets and risk mitigation that's the the best way that we see to position the portfolio to perform in multiple economic environments we've been quite fortunate over the last decade that with tremendous stimulus from global central banks that you know, high growth, low inflation in some sense has really worked. So uh, growth portfolios have worked, but we may be in changing economic regimes and we need a portfolio that isn't of one note in order to perform in multiple economic environments. One other aspect of this functional framework is we're much more risk aware. We understand the positions we have, we understand the exposures we may not have. And one aspect of it, and and one of the things that I really appreciate about the situation I walked into in LaSera was that we have a strong statement of investment beliefs. And one crystallization of our investment beliefs is that all other things being equal, it's best to express an investment in the lowest cost, least levered, most liquid version. And having that, that traditional eight buckets maybe kind of confuses that, well, we've got an allocation to private equity, let's just do private equity. But if we want to invest in you know, FinTech in Finland, for example, well, is the best way to do that in public markets or private markets? Because uh, we believe that may be a great you know, growth theme and having this functional framework truly allows us to uh, to express that have coordinations between uh, the, the the professionals and the team focused on global equity, those focused on private equity, as well as you know the support from you know the folks here you know in credit and in other asset categories that that really understand the cost of capital, but but it really uh, facilitates better coordination and understanding of of portfolio construction.
0: Thank you for that overview. That is very helpful. You mentioned inflation, and that's something that's in the news a lot these days, and the Fed says we should not be worried about it. I'm curious, what is your perspective from the institutional investor?
1: That's a great question. If I knew the answer, I probably wouldn't be sitting where I'm sitting right now. You know, I, I think that there's a lot of false confidence in some sense. And one of my main messages and one of the, the discussions that, that we have at La Serra is that we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Anyone that has utmost confidence about what will happen in the future, just turn around and run. You know, don't look back, run, keep running, run a little further, because they don't know. Now, markets are telling us, you know, in some sense that inflation, you know, is higher. The data, you know, there's a lot of noise because of, you know, what we've gone through over the last year. And you look at the statements of the Fed and what their mandate is. And so I, I do think that we need to have portfolios that are inflation aware. In terms of the, the exact timing magnitude, that is what the future will bring, but we're positioned for it. The one other aspect that you know we've had discussions about is that inflation isn't necessarily a monolith. All of us deal with inflation you know, in a variety of different ways. You know, you you want to get a new TV, you go to Costco. You notice that the, those TVs that you bought, you know, you want to buy today, would have cost you a lot more a decade ago. But then, you know, on the other hand, you may look at your Netflix bill, and that you know keeps going up. You look at cost of housing. You look at cost of healthcare, education. That there's been tr- the consumer's basket may be changing. Many goods we now purchase as services, and there's been more service inflation potentially than there's been goods inflation. So I think that we need to have an open mind as we relate to or as we think about what inflation is and how it impacts us uh, as consumers. We need to think about that as investors, specifically how that impacts the portfolios that we construct and that we put in place in order to maximize risk-adjusted returns for our members to pay benefits today, tomorrow, and into the future.
0: Thank you for that thoughtful overview. I think it is sometimes not spoken a lot about how does this impact the everyday consumer? It's more about the institutional markets, but at the end of the day, it is impacting, and especially the beneficiaries of La for instance.
1: Absolutely. And there will be inflation, there will be inflation ways that we may not anticipate. We have a our real assets portfolio. The full name of that is Real Assets and Inflation Hedges. So we have, you know, in our updated asset allocation, we have 17% of the portfolio allocated to that. But then longer term, you know, public stocks are a good way to hedge inflation. So I think that we're positioned well but we're not trying to make tactical moves on the margin because we think we know better that that's not a good model.
0: makes sense, and what would you say is the most important decision in terms of portfolio diversification?
1: It's precisely that it's portfolio diversification. You know the primary investment belief that I referenced for Lacera is the importance of constructing a diversified portfolio. And that over time, uh, that strategic asset allocation, that apportionment of investment assets will be the biggest driver of risk adjusted returns. So, you know, if I, I, you know, one of the things that I, you know, joke with about is that, you know, I have three kids that have named them strategic asset and allocation because it's that important. Uh, so, uh, strategic asset allocation and how we apportion assets you know, truly is the answer to that question.
0: Got it. Thank you. Recently, Lucera's board adopted a new asset allocation where you already spoke a little bit about this earlier, about increasing your liquid assets roughly to 32% from 19%. Tell us a little bit more about the thinking behind this.
1: Sure. The And the target was 19%. The actual was a little bit above that, uh, given that we're our NAV or net asset value of our private equity portfolio was overweight. Uh, the thinking is that the primary fiduciary duty of the board of investments is to pay benefits today, tomorrow, into the future. To do it in a risk-aware manner, to do it in a way that minimizes employee and employer contributions. And to do it in the context of our liabilities. This strategic asset allocation does that, we believe. And it, it does it in a sense that capital has to work harder than it did 20, 30 years ago. It's a lot easier to build a portfolio to, a tr- to try to achieve, you know, our, our actuarial target is 7% today, but 30 years ago, maybe an 8%. And at the time, if the 10-year treasury was 6 plus percent and you're trying to get 8 percent, you know, a 60-40 mix kind of does that very easily. In an environment where the 10-year treasury may be, you know, today it's, I don't know precisely what it is at the the very tick right now, but if it's closer to 160 basis points and you're trying to earn, you know, a 500 40 basis points spread to that, well, you have to embrace portfolio complexity. You have to have different types of risks in the portfolio that you may not have needed in the past. And one of those risks is, you know, illiquidity is more diversification, uh, potentially more complicated investment strategies. And we believe that this asset allocation is cognizant of what the cost of capital is, it's cognizant of what our mission is, it's cognizant of the market environment that we're in. It also recognizes that there is more risk. And given that there is more risk, and the specific one you spoke about of going from 19 to 32% illiquid assets uh, is that our team is bigger. Uh, in, in terms of number of people, but it's not just a, a function of kind of a linear growth in size. It, it's a, maybe a geometric function of capabilities that were better than we've ever been. Uh, the expertise, you know, uh, makes me smile when I think about, wow, how fortunate I am to have, you know, the team that we have here. So, so we have more experts than ever monitoring the portfolio, we're challenged by the board. The board expects us to do better with you know each meeting, with each day. We also don't just look at you know, the, the historical lens of returns, simple returns to construct portfolios. We have a very risk-aware portfolio. We have risk systems, data capabilities we've never had. We embrace technology in a way that we never have before, and I would say that maybe there's a, a, a third dimension that historically, when you're building portfolios, and I know this is a long answer to a very simple question about, you know, 19 going to 32%, but it's critical to that in that part of that is when we build portfolios and part of those extra returns come from illiquidity, but, but part of it comes from doing better diligence and Part of it comes from not just looking at expected returns and expected risks, but it comes from doing better diligence to embracing different factors. Those factors may be diversity, equity, inclusion. Other risks may be environmental, social governance factors in order to kind of make sure you have the right ingredients in order to have the best meal, you know, so to speak. You know, I'm not a chef, but if I was a chef, I'd probably want the best ingredients uh, to, to make sure I, you know, had the, the, the best meal. And I think that we're capable of embracing complexity. That complexity includes illiquidity because of the team we have here, because we are turning over more rocks, so to speak, where our diligence is better than ever. You know, we're, you know, for example, we, you know, historically may not have done as much operational due diligence, which includes looking at things such as cyber. Um we do that now. And uh so I, I think that I'm really excited about the strategic asset allocation. I think it helps elevate Lacera, not in terms of, you know, hey, you know, we're following kind of the herd, following a trend to embrace, you know, illiquidity. We are positioning a portfolio because we have the capabilities to, more so than ever, to to meet our mission to our members. And fundamentally, this portfolio is about that mission to members.
0: Thank you for listening to part one of my interview with Jonathan Grable. Stay tuned for part two. I'm Betty Salonique, founder and CEO of Accelerate Investors, and you've been listening to CIO Conversations. You can follow Accelerate Investors on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate,
1: and review this podcast. Thank you for listening.